many of you have seen the movie How to Train Your Dragon? I hope some of you, okay. <laughs> all those with kids, or all those being children in their hearts, I suppose. It's actually a really cool movie. I just want to show you a short video clip of, of it. They pay me quite a few dollars to, to do this, so um, no, that's a joke. Um, it's, it's a story about a little boy, his name is Hiccup, and he's a, he's a Viking, he's the son of a chief Viking, and the one thing that was expected of a Viking to do, which was killing a dragon, he couldn't do. Okay, so he was this boy, and he was always laughed at, and nobody really respected him because he couldn't kill a dragon. So I just want to show you a short video clip of how his weakness was actually turned into a major strength at the end. So thanks, Tim. This is my home. We have fishing, hunting, and a charming view of the sunsets. The only problems are the pests. You see, most places have mice or mosquitoes. We have... Dragons. Fighting dragons is everything around here. My name's Hiccup. I've always wanted to be a great Viking. Oh, come on. Let me out. I need to make my mark. You can't lift a hammer. You can't swing an axe. You can't even throw one of these. But this will throw it for me. Oh, I hit it. Yes, I hit it. I have brought down this mighty beast. Oh. Nice dragon. Okay. Ah, uh, ah, uh, no, no, no. Ugh. Okay, you can watch the rest for yourself. <laughs> I've seen this movie many, many times with my son. <laughs> but it's really significant for me that this boy, he couldn't kill a dragon, but that was the one thing where, that, that was expected of him that made him a Viking. And it is, it is quite amazing that he discovered to speak the dragon's language in the end and where his weakness was turned into a strength, where his weakness was actually transforming a whole community. So I want to ask you this morning, what is your greatest weakness in your opinion or your obstacle or your fear? What is it? Maybe some of you in your family, rugby was the ultimate sport and you wanted to play guitar. So... It wasn't really accepted, you know, playing guitar, maybe just even playing tennis because rugby was the ultimate. Maybe you come from a family full of academics and everybody went to university, but you didn't. 
So what is that one thing? What is that one thing? Maybe you're very aware that your dad wanted a firstborn son, but then you were born as a girl. I know there's many dads who really badly wanted a, a son. Maybe you have bad memories about doing an oral at school. How many of you have bad memories about an oral? I have. Yes, we do. So you, you're pretty convinced that you can't speak in front of people or even just in a small group where you want to express your, your thoughts and your opinion, but you're battling because it's that, that bad memory of that oral that is, is just, you know, still haunting you. Maybe you weren't invited to parties. You weren't part of the cool crowd and you still think there must be something wrong with you. And I know all of us have something you know, like Hiccup, where it was so expected of him to kill a dragon, and that was the one thing that he couldn't do. However, that was also the one thing that transformed his community, that changed everything, everything for him. You see, and the truth is that God can take our greatest weakness, our greatest sin even, our greatest obstacle or fear. He can, he can take that thing that you hated or dreaded or feared most, and he can turn it around into something that is going to become your strength. Something that you've always wished you can change about yourself. God can use that very thing, and he can, he can change that into something beautiful. For those of you who know Lisa Bevere, she's the wife of John Bevere. We do quite a few life group curriculums by him. Also, the story of marriage by John and Lisa Bevere. So I think most of you are quite familiar with her husband, John Bevere. But she had two major things. She battled with two major things at school. Something that terrified her. And those two things were speech and typing. She was terrified to speak in front of people. And due to, to cancer that she had as a little girl, one of her eyes had been removed at the age of five. So now picture this girl at high school. One of her eyes had been removed, and she lost all spatial awareness uh, because of that, so she battled to type. So she was afraid to speak, and she was afraid to type. But guess what? Today, God is using her mightily in both of those things. She's a, she's a speaker. She's speaking to thousands of people all over the world. She's written quite a few books. And that means she has to type. Okay, she's not writing it by hand. She's typing. And the two things that, that you know, she actually went to a guidance counselor and she could she please be exempt from those classes because she's freaked out. She doesn't want to speak and she, she doesn't want to type. And today God is using her mightily in those two things. So I want to share with you this morning how we can partner with the Lord to for, for him to help us and for we to partner with him in those areas of fear, of weakness, even of sin, even of an obstacle that, that you think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a stumbling block for the rest of your life. Those things God can turn around. And I want to I wanna share with you this morning how God can do that. Amen? Amen. We all have something that we wish we can change, about either our, about our past or our presence or the way we look or our family, whatever it is, we all have that something. So in my situation, I also had two things similar to Lisa Bavia that was a major, major problem at school. 
Okay, two things. The one was speaking English. The other one, you see, I grew up in a really African small town. It was, English was a foreign language. It really was. I know for those of you who grew up in East London, it is, it, you can't really believe it, but in my town, it was a foreign language. I, got, I didn't know one English person. There wasn't one English person. Even my English teacher was Afrikaans speaking, okay? She spoke very well, but she was Afrikaans. And so I grew up with a very limited exposure of English. So that was the one. The other one was computers, okay? Computers and English. So my son at the age of six is more confident to speak this foreign language than I was at the age of 18. No jokes. Okay, so I just want to thank all my English babysitters who don't speak Afrikaans. I know you can, but you don't. You know you are. And, you, you know, this is what I needed at the age of six, but this is what my boy has, and this is why he has more confidence at the age of six than I had at 18. But what God did for me is at the age of 18, I said to him, God, I need help. So please, can you give me an English roommate at Varsity? Which he did. There were six girls in our, in our hostel, six, six English girls, and one of them ended up to be my roommate. So my, my fear of speaking this foreign language all had to do with a lack of exposure. And I really had to partner with the Lord. I really had to had to partner with God and say, okay, God, there's a problem. How are we going to fix it? And, and God was so faithful in just equipping me. You know, it, it, I, I had to humble myself. I had to humble myself. I had to let them laugh at me so many times. I had to ask for help. I had to make mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. But I learned. And I just know that often whether it's a weakness or an obstacle or something in our lives, we have to equip ourselves. Not in our own strength, but we have to partner with the Lord and say, okay, God, I identify this and I know somehow this needs to change because this is part of my destiny. But I need your help. So when in, in terms of computers, God gave me a husband who was very much on top of every every latest gadget and whatever you want to call it. So it's, it's helping me a lot. You see, and I, also, I also got over my fear when I realized computers don't just explode because I was terrified that if I press the wrong button, this thing is going to explode, okay? That was at school. So I, I got over the, the most of my fear when I realized it can't explode and it can't just break, and when all else fails... Restart your computer. Okay, this is what my husband taught me. When all else fails, restart your computer. And I, let me tell you, it works nine out of ten times. That it, you know, that is the problem. But it, it sounds ridiculous now. I know it does. Speaking English and computers, how can that be your greatest fear, your greatest enemy, your greatest stumbling block? But it was. For me, it was major. It was huge. And... I had to equip myself. Okay, it wasn't a magic prayer. It wasn't just the Holy Spirit doing one thing in, in one moment. I had to partner with the Lord and say, okay, God, I see it. How are we going to fix it? Help me. Show me. So I want to I wanna encourage you this morning. There's something about yourself or about your, your situation or your job, and you don't feel confident. Don't just leave it there. 
something in me just decided, even if I'm a little grandmother with a crutch, I will pass this exam. You know, and sometimes this is the attitude we need to have that whatever it takes, I'm not going to let this thing overcome me. I'm not going to allow this to determine who I am. Sometimes we just need to have that determination, you know, and God is not into perfection. God is into progress. And this is the good news is this morning. He celebrates every bit of progress that you make. Every bit of progress. If you are trying to lose weight this morning, not this morning, but if you are trying to lose weight, you could perhaps lose weight in church. I mean, the worship is quite active. <laughs> if you t- jump around a bit, you might. If you're trying to lose weight and you've only lost 250 kilograms, not kilograms, oh my goodness. <laughs> you see, there my small town English comes out again. If you've only lost 250 grams last week, but you wanted to lose four kilograms, you know what? We celebrate with you this morning. Amen? We celebrate with you. Whatever. If, if there was progress, we celebrate with you. And this is what God does. We so focus on perfection. We so p- focus on we had to get it 100% right, otherwise it was a failure. No. God is not like that. It's with our son. He's in grade one. Now we do homework in the afternoons. Now we do, now he's trying to read. K-at, kat. Ok, ok. You know, and in the beginning it was like at hunt. You know, it was just like, he, he, he recognized the K and the A and it's, but I mean, there's just no, nothing there, you know, that it's a cut. Afrikaans people, please translate to the English people. Cut, cut is a cat, okay? Hunt is a dog. Um, but I'm just so excited because he's learning to read. It is, it is for me one of the most exciting things I've ever experienced. I know it sounds really silly, but I mean, this little man that was a baby six years ago is now learning to read and he's, he's thinking about things. And I just celebrate the progress. And this is what God is doing with us. You know, he celebrates whatever you're doing, whatever risk you take, whatever step you take. You know, the missions, all of you go on missions. I just honor you for stepping out. Maybe it's your first time ever. Maybe it's your second time, but maybe the last time wasn't, wasn't as awesome as you thought it's going to be. But I just honor you for doing it again or for doing it for the first time because God is honoring that step that you take. And I just want to bless you for doing it. I just want to bless you because this is what, 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 what God is celebrating. We have to confront the spirit of intimidation in this progress where we we say, okay, God, we have these things, and I wish I can change it. And yes, we have to equip ourselves, and yes, we have to try again. But sometimes there's a spirit of intimidation coming for us. Now, a spirit of intimidation will come for you whether you are, are experienced or not, whether you have done it 50 times or not. It's not really applicable to how experienced you are or how good you are at something and, and I think that is sometimes catching us by surprise because you, you think you can do it, but then all of a sudden you feel as if you can't. Have you ever experienced that, anybody? You know that you can do it, but then all of a sudden you think, 
no, I can't, or you doubt yourself, or you, you're just freaked out, or you just, you know, you just, just go blank, and you feel as if you can't do it. It's a spirit of intimidation wanting us to sit in the corner, not do anything, not say anything. And I actually felt this morning that there's a, a spirit of intimidation that's bringing certain voices or thoughts to many of, of you who are going on missions, asking you questions like, who do you think you are? Do you really think you can do this? Do you really think you should go on missions? Do you really think you're supposed to be on the team? Do you really think God is going to use you? Do you really think you can do this? And I, I really felt that if there's any kind of voices like this, especially for the missions people, it's not God, the Holy Spirit. All right? You have to identify those voices and realize that this is not the Lord. It's not even your own thoughts. It is a spirit of intimidation who wants to intimidate you. And that spirit wants you to sit in the corner not say anything, and he wants you to withdraw. And he steals your boldness. He steals your confidence. So I just want to encourage all of you, who, especially for those of you who go on missions, God has called you to do this. He has enabled you to do this. You are handpicked to be on that team. Handpicked. God is going to use you mightily. You're going to do things you've never done before. All right, God is going to speak words through you. He's going to, he's, you're going to pray prayers over people you've never prayed before. You're going to lay hands on people and they will recover. You're going to, you're going to teach and you're going to, you're going to preach and you, you're going to change the atmosphere in those cities. So do not be afraid. Do not be intimidated for God has chosen you. Amen? God has chosen you to go on this mission trip. For those of you who have those bad memories of orals at school and you're convinced that you can't speak in front of people, this one is for you. When, when, just before we came to East London, about the two years before we moved to East London, we, we were at the Shafa Stellenbosch congregation and they asked me to, to, from time to time, just do a short testimony or a, or a message before we received the offering. Okay, they had a roster and... They put people on the roster, and then you do it. And I was like, of course, yes, anytime, I'll do it. I've done it before. It's really one of my passions. I'll do it. And when the first roster was emailed to me, I was paralyzed by fear. I can't explain it to you. I was just so intimidated. And I thought, what did I do? Why didn't I say I don't want to do it? But now I'm in. Okay, so now my name is on the roster. I'm doing it for the first time, and I'm terrified. All right, the, the church in Stellenbosch is bigger than us. They are. They were at that stage maybe what 500 people? I don't know. A lot of people. Okay, a lot of people. There's a big stage, and the senior pastors, Pastor Fred and Lucille, they would sit there. And now you come up. Okay, you come up, and now you must. And now you have limited time, and you must say something that's going to make sense. And you must believe in yourself. And then Andre was trying to encourage me by saying, nobody's listening in any case. So I thought, thank you. That's really encouraging. That's really helping me. And after about two or three times when I really freaked out and I thought, I can't do it anymore, I, I, I decided, well, I'm a volunteer. I'm just going to tell them that I really can't do it anymore. And... 
when, when I was thinking that, you know, I was first relieved by, you know, my brainwave of just telling them that I'm not going to do it anymore. And then I felt God saying to me, now you're doing exactly what the devil wants you to do. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> okay, so I can't do that. So, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And God started explaining to me how the spirit of intimidation works. And I understood that if I'm backing off from this thing, even though it was a short message and it was every five or six weeks, if I'm walking away, if I'm running away, because I felt like running away, I'm running away from something much bigger than God wanted me to do. And if I'm running away from that, I'm, I'm doing exactly what the spirit of intimidation wanted me to do. So I said, okay, God, you have to help me with this. And God started teaching me how to confront the spirit of intimidation. And the biggest thing I learned is even if you have to do it afraid, you do it. Even if you have to do it afraid and you're and, and you, feel, you feel as if you're not going to survive that moment, you do it. Because it's not about having no fear. You know, it's courage. It's not the absence of fear. I think it's on the... No, there you go. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's action in the presence of fear. And I really thought, I honestly thought, if I want to do it successfully, I must do it without any fear. And God said to me, no, this is not how you're going to overcome this. You do it afraid. You do it afraid. So for those of you who think you can't speak, and I'm not saying all of us must preach. This is not what I'm saying. But there will be situations where you have to speak, where you have to share your opinion, even if it's in a group of five people. And if you think you can't do it, you have to do it afraid. You have to do it afraid. You have to confront that spirit who wants you to sit in the corner and not say anything. Because this is not who you are. You are not designed to sit in the corner and not say anything. God has designed you to be bold. God has designed you to be confident. You know, I did breathing exercises on stage. You know, let me show you how it, how it works. For those of you who must see your bank manager and you're stressed. You know, you go... Then you breathe in for either five or three. I can't remember. I haven't done it in a long time. But, okay, let's say three. Then out of five. Got it? Okay. Then do it again. Okay. I did it a couple of times. I told nobody, not even Andre knew about it at that stage. It was my little secret that I had to do breathing exercises before I go on stage because I was freaked out. And it was, they did one song and then announcements and then I would come up and I think people might have thought I'm deeply, deeply in worship. I was doing my breathing exercises, okay? I just want to share this with you because... Maybe you, maybe you look at anybody who speaks, anybody who's got a microphone in their hands and think they, they were born to do that. Or they were born, you know, at the age of two already, they preached at the birds in the garden or whatever. I had a journey. I had a journey. I tell you, I had to confront the spirit of intimidation so many times in my life. You have to do the same. God has called you not to be afraid. He has called you not to 
to disappear in the crowd. He's called you to have an opinion. He has called you to speak. He has called you to share. You know that joke you really badly want to tell at the braai, but you just can't get it out because what if it's not that funny? You know, just share it. And if it's not that funny, so what? You know, if nobody laughs, so what? Just do it. Just do it. We have to get over our fears. We have to get over that spirit who wants to make us sit in the corner and be silent. I mean, are you ready to share your joke at the braai? Get the best joke you've ever heard. And then just say, okay, God, let's go for it. We're going to share it. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from some of my fears. No, he delivered me from all my fears. You know how many times I've quoted that scripture? I said, God, I'm going to seek you and you will hear me and you are going to deliver me from all my fears. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. The other day, Andre and I celebrated our 14-year anniversary last week. Eh? 14 years. Amen. Woo! And he, Andre made it really special for me, but I can't go into that next, next romantic or whatever relationship morning. I'm going to share everything with you. <laughs> but yeah, we had little cards and we, we, um, we spoke through it. Just general things about your favorite color and, you know, things, husband and wives, in the beginning you speak about it and later you kind of just go on with life. But we had all these questions that we just discussed. And the one question was, what is your greatest fear? So Andre was asking me, what is my greatest fear? So I said, no. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. And now you must, you must know my husband, you know, he liked that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, high five. <laughs> But I've just come to a point where I said, yes, sometimes I do fear, but I'm not going to allow that to define me anymore. I'm not going to allow that to, to the devil to tell me, you are a fearful person, because I'm not. In Jesus, I'm not. And even when I fear, God will deliver me. So I just want to encourage you, do not allow the devil. Do not allow the devil to put a label on you and to, and to intimidate you. For those of you who battle to pray in a group, God wants to set you free from that. I know you want to pray. I know you also want to, in a life group, want to pray. But sometimes you just can't. Or when you do, it feels, it just doesn't feel right. You know, the words that come out, it just doesn't feel right. Just do it. I mean, don't allow the devil to, to silence you. Don't allow him to silence you. Pray your prayer. Pray it afraid. Pray it wrong. Quote the scripture wrong. Do whatever you want, but just get it out and pray. Amen? Do not allow the devil to silence you. There's so many people who couldn't pray in front of other people, and you must hear them now. Now you can't keep them quiet. You know, they, they just go for it. So you're going to be one of those people. Amen? Amen. Okay, last one. Your past does not determine your future. Most important one. Okay, if you have been sleeping up till now, now is the time to wake up. Your past, your past does not determine your future. You are not a victim of your past. Your parents' divorce does not determine your future. How about this one? Your own divorce does not determine your future. 
Your own divorce does not determine your future. Your past addictions or maybe even your current addictions, it does not determine your future. It doesn't. Your mistakes, your failures, even your sin, it does not determine your future. All of us know Joyce Meyer. Amen. She's impacting the world. She has been impacting the world over many, many years. She was sexually abused as a girl, for those of you who don't know. And, and she shares in, in, in her books that as an abused girl, she would just lie in her bed and, and, and declare, one day I'm going to do something great. One day I'm going to do something great. I have so much respect for that. She didn't let her past determine her future. But what if? What if she allowed a past to determine her future? What if? We wouldn't have had all the books, all the teachings, the impact she's making on the world. We wouldn't have had it. But she said, one day, I'm going to do something great. As a sexually abused little girl, do not allow whatever has happened to you to determine your future. Listen to the scripture, 1 Samuel 22. Verse 1 to 2. It's about King David. You all know the story about King David that was anointed by Samuel, the prophet, to be king. There was a a certain time that had to pass before he was actually king. Because at that stage, King Saul was still on the throne. But he was anointed king. And he became really popular, a popular warrior. And the people loved him. The people of Israel loved him. But there came a stage where Saul got very jealous. You can go and read the story for yourself, but he wanted to try and kill David. So David therefore departed and escaped to the cave of of Adullam. And when his brothers and his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Now I want you to note this. And everyone was in distress. Everyone was in debt. Oh my goodness, not debt. Everyone was in distress and debt. Everyone was discontented. And if you go to that word in the Bible, it means bitter of soul. They gathered to him. So all the men who were in distress, in debt, discontented or bitter in soul, bitter of soul, they gathered to him and he became captain over them and there were, were about 400 men. Now, I don't know about you, but it doesn't sound like a great army to me. I mean, first of all, they were in debt. So how are they now going to pay off their debt if they are just joining David? I don't know. But they were in debt. They were bitter of soul. They were discontented. They were in distress. They were not mighty warriors. They were not. But they gathered to David. And David just obviously said, come, I will make you great. And if you're going to read in in 2 Samuel 23 and 1 Chronicles 11 and 12, These guys were listed by name, by name. All the exploits and the things that they did, it's listed. How many men they've killed and how fast they could run. And it is just, it is just amazing. But they were discontented. They were in distress. They were, they were in debt. They were bitter of soul. And David just said, I'm not going to let that determine the, the quality of my army. Because you're going to become great. And, and David's 400 men had a reputation. You know, a good reputation. They were, they were men of war. And I mean, it, 
in, at that, in that times, it was a good reputation, okay? Men of war. David's army. They weren't the army that we would have chosen for ourselves, amen? People in distress. But David said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you great. I'll make you great. And he did. So the next time you feel that you can't do something, the next time you feel that you are unable or that you don't qualify, I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. Okay, Abram. Abram was really old, okay? However, he was the father of many nations, amen? Abram was really old. What about this one? Jacob was a liar. If you read up on the story of Jacob, he wasn't a very he wasn't a man of integrity. But he was the biological father of the twelve tribes of Israel. Amen? God wasn't intimidated by his sin. Moses had a stuttering problem, but he, he led the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. Gideon was afraid. He was he had a bad self image. He was he, his family background wasn't good, but he saved Israel from the Midianites. I mean, Rahab, listen to this one, Rahab was a prostitute. A prostitute. She was a great-great-grandmother of King David. King David, God has chosen her. He, she was a great-great-grandmother of King David, who was, by the way, a murderer and an adulterer. However, he was a man after God's own heart, a murderer and an adulterer. Timothy was really young, but he was promoted by the Apostle Paul. He was an example to the church. Elijah, I know many of you know this, but he was suicidal. Makes you feel better if you ever wanted to commit suicide. Elijah was suicidal. He wanted to take his own life, but he was a prophet. He was a mighty prophet of God. Jonah ran from the Lord. He was disobedient. But God used him to evangelize a whole city. A whole city. Peter denied Jesus three times. Three times in public. He said, I don't know that man. And Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. The disciples, listen to this one, fell asleep while praying with Jesus. In fact, it was just before he was crucified, they fell asleep. How's that for friendship? Thank you. My three brothers in need, falling asleep. But Jesus used them to build his church. Martha worried about everything. But she was a friend of Jesus. She was a personal friend of Jesus. Amen. What about you? What is the one thing that, that is in your life where you feel, no, it's just too, too bad? Like Andre shared a week or two ago, two weeks ago, about the Samaritan woman at the well where Jesus met her. She was divorced five times. Five times, people. And when Jesus met her, she was living with another man. Jesus wasn't intimidated. He wasn't intimidated. What is, what is holding you back this morning? What is, what is holding you back to do great things for God? To believe that you are special? What is that? You are well able I'm going to read you one more scripture and then we're going to pray. One Corinthians one, verse twenty-six to twenty-nine. For you see your calling, brethren, 
that not many wise according to the flesh. So it's not all of us with the degrees and the, you know, the wisdom and the knowledge. Not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble even are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. It's not the mighty. It's not the noble. It's not those with a degree or those who had an absolute perfect, pure life since birth. God rejoices in taking us from a position where we need him and making us great, using us. All of you are special. All of you are world changers. All of you can do something great for the Lord. No matter your background, no matter what people say about you, no matter what newspapers write about you or what they they said about you when you were at school. It's not about that. It's about what God sees inside of you. And he sees inside of you a world changer, somebody who's going to impact this nation, this town, the Eastern Cape. Amen.